0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We're in Romans 11, and we're talking about the nation of Israel. Paul has already proved their uh, why they have fallen. And we went through that as we went through Romans 9 and 10. They were ignorant, the nation of Israel, of God's righteousness. They refused to submit to God's righteousness. And instead, their zeal calls them to establish their own righteousness. So that's what they followed after. (laughs) And uh, there's some practical application there for us. Uh, But they went after the works of the law instead of um, seeking God's righteousness by faith. And so what resulted in that was their hardening, their blinding, and their stumbling. So now we're going to pick it up in Romans 11, and we're in verse number 11. And the Bible says, I say then, Have they stumbled, the they is Israel, the nation, have they stumbled that they should fall? Now I want you to picture in your mind first off the difference between stumbling and falling. You don't just end up on the ground, right? There's a stumbling process and now, oh, okay, he's down. (laughs) So there's a stumbling and a falling distinction here. And you can't deny the fact that they've been unfaithful, They've been rebellious. You can see this picture out in this stumbling process. And now they fall. But was that the only purpose of their rebellion and their unfaithfulness of that nation? Was the only purpose in God's plan, well, yeah, the rebellious people fall. Well, uh, Romans 11 unpacks that and says, no, that was not the only purpose. As a matter of fact, the answer comes back very clearly, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? What's the answer? Next two words, God forbid. Right. Being fallen was not their intended and final outcome or state. That is not what God's intent was. I I want us to back up to get a little more context as we start to unpack Romans uh, verses 11 and 12. Look at verse 9. It says, and David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back alway. David speaks about retribution, man. And we talked about this last Sunday afternoon. They had all the bountiful blessings of God, they can sit down at that table. And what a blessing it was. It was a trap. They walked right into it. But David talks about, man, here's here's the punishment that's going to be inflicted. Here's what you all did. You're going to stumble and fall. Mm -hmm. Romans 11, uh, verses 11 and 12, that's not David speaking retribution. The next two verses, it's God bringing in grace. And that's a blessing. Because God's purposes are not singular in nature. Our way might be that. We might just be able to see one down one line and that's it. But that's not how God sees things. He takes the rebellion of Israel, and you know what he does that with that rebellion of Israel? He takes the rebellion of Israel and makes the gospel of Jesus Christ go worldwide. Yeah. You see that? Amen. It's not so, well, they just, they're, they're rebellious, so they fall. No, there was a bigger plan. And this is what Romans 11 is talking about. Within their fall, it wasn't just to cast them off. You see, you've fallen. That wasn't just God's plan. His plan was to provoke them to jealousy so that they would abandon their rebellion... And turn back to who? The living God (laughs) who called them out as a special separate nation. We see that in verse 11. Let's look at the text again. Right in the middle of verse 11. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. For to provoke them, that would be the Gentiles, to jealousy. Gentiles, anybody that's not a Jew. Isn't that great. Salvation, through the glorious and magnificent gospel of grace, gets to go to a non-Jew. Amen. I'm glad I got in on that. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you? <laughs> and if you haven't gotten in on it, you could this morning. The purpose for God, for Israel, is bigger than, well, they're just rebellious. No, he's provoking them to jealousy. If you're... <laughs> If you're dating or courting or whatever you're supposed to say or not say, I don't know. I, I don't even know how that goes. You guys courted. I guess that's the right way to do it. Amen. You, you say dating in a Baptist pulpit, you say, well, the, that guy went carnal. I, I don't know what to say. So I'm going to I'm I'm say this. I'm going to say this. Look, if, 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 a, if a guy is courting a girl and the girl isn't giving the guy any attention at all, what do you think is going to happen to her when another girl finally starts to give her man some attention? That'd be jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you break up with your girlfriend or if you can't call her your girlfriend, if you have to call her your courtship mate, whatever, whatever the title's supposed to be, if you break up with her and somebody else asks her out and wants to marry her, don't get upset. <laughs> don't get what jealous that is God now if you truly honestly love somebody you are gentlemen we are going to be jealous if someone else gives attention to our wives wives you're going to be jealous if you sense another lady is trying to step out of her lane and step out of step out of line Why? Because that's what true love is. Jealousy isn't always an evil, bad thing. Our God is a what type of God? Jealous God. He loves that nation. And he loves those people. And they're giving attention to other gods. He's a jealous God. And they're not going to stay in that rebellious state. This is what Romans 11 is about. If you work with your hands, men, you get calluses on your hands. If you play uh, any type of stringed instruments, what happens to your fingertips? They get calloused, and you can't feel the strings. Before you get the callous, it's real sensitive. Now, I play guitar. I don't play it as much anymore, and I don't play it as well anymore. So if I were to pick up the guitar and start playing, I can play for maybe 20 or 25 minutes before... The enjoyment of playing guitar may have not gone away. But the pain on my fingertips, amen, is going to cause me to stop. Because it's not calloused, meaning it's still sensitive. Well, once my fingertips get calloused, then it don't matter. It's insensitive to the steel string. I don't have any feeling on my finger. And that's when that's when a callous or... Hardening happens you become insensitive now. Everybody point here Go like this Your own heart can be hardened Yeah And it can become insensitive hmm And brother missionary saw the people and his heart was soft You can look at the beautiful terrain and be uh in all of God's creation, but it's kind of a waste of time to preach to rocks and mountains and canyons. The people softened his heart. Do you know if you break a bone, what happens during the breaking process or after the breaking process Is a soft callus will form between where the bone breaks. Well, over a month or two months, that soft callus will continue to get harder and harder and harder over where that break is. It's a hardening, it's a callusing that gets worse. But it's the mending process. Israel's hardening yes it has gotten harder and harder and harder and harder but guess what happens to that bone after you go through the soft and the hard callousing? the callus goes away yeah and that bone is better off than it was when it was broken God is going to heal that nation yeah. and restore them Amen. that callus isn't going to stay there it's getting harder and harder I understand but God's not done with that nation yeah and you have two great results that happen from Israel's stumbling versus falling that we see. One is, we talked about it, the, I mean, they stumbled over the Messiah and the glorious gospel of Christ, okay? Uh, and two, the falling isn't unrepairable. It's not a break that can't be fixed. They're eventually going to be washed clean of their uncleanness. They're going to be made right from their unrighteousness. And they're eventually going to see what the world gained from their rebellion. And they'll get it. They'll get it. And they're going to see what they lost because of their obstinance. We're bullheaded and strong-headed. We don't see what we lost. We don't see it until it's too late. Israel's going to see it. And it's, they're going to learn that lesson. Now, they should have learned it back when they were rebellious, but they didn't. But they did. All right, Romans 11, let's go back to the text. Let's look at verse 12. Romans 11, verse number 12. Bible says, Now if the fall of them, that's Israel, be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? It's a loaded question here. Before the fall of Israel, if a non Gentile, a non Jew wanted to uh, know God more, they'd have to be a proselyte. They'd have to convert to Judaism. Have to travel to Jerusalem. They'd have to keep feasts. They'd have to males would have to be circumcised. That's what they would have to do. <laughs> Um, does that sound exciting to anybody let's pack up and travel to jerusalem i mean especially now but that's what they have to do now go to acts 2 let's see how it is now acts chapter 2 acts chapter 2 look at verse number one here's where we're at and when the day of pentecost was fully come okay so that's where we're at now watch what happens Go down to verse number six in Acts chapter number two. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man, watch what this says, heard them speak in his what? Own language. Nobody had to learn biblical Hebrew. They heard it in their own language. Yeah. Acts 2, that day of Pentecost, is picturing now, look, we got something that's going to everybody. You, That man, they heard it in their own language. Now, who would have liked to have been there? That would have been an awesome experience yeah. to have. Uh, look at verse number 7. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in his own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians, and Medes, and Amalites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia and Pontus, and Asia, Phygeria, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and parts of Libya, Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, do we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God? Now that is an amazing, amazing sign miracle that happened during that day. Yeah. Everybody can hear in their own language. It may sound like gibberish to you if you don't speak Italian or Arabian, if you're not Arabian, but it wasn't to them. Look at verse number 41. This is the gospel going to everyone. You don't have to be a proselyte. Look at verse 41. Then they, that be whoever, it doesn't have to be a Jew, that gladly received his word were baptized. Now we're a Baptist church because we believe that those must, that believers must receive the word first. And then if you've received the word, then you go ahead and identify as a believer through water baptism. But they received the word, they were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So to be part of the they now, you have to receive the word. Yeah. What didn't the nation want to receive? The word who was made flesh. They didn't want to receive him. They rejected him. So now, as a result of their stumbling and their falling, now the gospel's in Rome. It's in Ephesus. Yeah. It's in Corinth. It's in Arizona and on Indian reservations. It's in Middle Tennessee. Israel's fall resulted in everybody being able to get the gospel. Hey. We can't miss that. All right. Let's go back to Romans eleven might as well while we're flipping let's get we're gonna do some old testament so let's go back to the book of chronicles and we'll get the second book of chronicles two chronicles okay we (laughs) we get to (laughs) so get your finger in second chronicles second chronicles and uh romans 11 romans 11. In Romans 11, in verse number 12, um, we see, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world. Okay, the riches of the world, what is that? That phrase, kind of already talked about it, but let's answer that question directly. What are the riches of the world? It's the world got the gospel. So when you see in verse 12, well, what are the riches of the world? Well, we got the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the same question is asked, it's just presented differently in that same verse. And the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles. The diminishing didn't cause the Gentiles to be saved. Well, Israel fell as a nation, and so now all by default, Gentiles get saved. No, they didn't cause them to get saved, but what happened is, the opportunity opened up for what? Now them to hear the gospel and receive it and praise the Lord for that. But in 11 and 12, you have what's called the fall of them. See that in verse 12? Now if the fall of them. Now also I want to look at another phrase in verse 15 in Romans 11. Verse 12 says the fall of them. Look at verse 15 for if the casting away of them. They're set aside nationally for now. You take that side dish, and what you do is now, you're, you're, you're done with that side dish. You're gonna, you're gonna place it over here. You're, it's a side right now. You're not dealing with it mainly. It's, it's set aside. And you, Paul says you'd be apostle to the Gentiles. Why? Because the Jew, well, the Jews received it first, but they re, they refused it. I think we see it in the, in the next verse. See that verse thirteen, Romans eleven. Get Romans eleven. Look at the thirteenth verse. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. But they refused, and so now it's a it's God has set them aside. And if you think about the benefit. That we have received as Gentiles because of Israel's refusal to receive the Messiah. I mean, it's hard to imagine. Ladies, a lot of the world, women are still just a piece of merchandise. It's a life of suffering, and it is a life of, in many ways, slavery. Do you know what stops that in its tracks? The gospel of Jesus Christ stops that. The gospel elevates women to a position of honor. Just that alone shows the power and the and the magnificent, all-inspiring might of the gospel of Christ. It elevates women. Anybody here at Gladys Allward? She single-handedly, single-handedly through God's power brought the gospel to China. And you know what she did for those Chinese women who were trapped in years of foot binding? She elevated them now to a place of dignity where their beauty wasn't connected to. You just get your feet bound and they're walking around with nubs. Nubs. Ladies, picture your feet half the size that they are and your toes all cramped and scrunched and you're living in communist China. You know what liberated those women? God raised up Gladys Allward and she went into China and the gospel took hey. care of that situation. Yeah, That's the power of the gospel. And that's why we bring it to everybody. The gospel liberates. The gospel frees. In Romans chapter 11, I want to go over three key words and we see them in verse number, uh, a verse we're going to look at is in verse number 12. It shows up twice. Now, if the fall of them be the riches, and then it says, in the diminishing of them be the riches. Jews have land. That's not their riches. Jews have a heritage. That's not their riches. They forsake their. They forsook their riches. Go to. Uh, I ask you to go to Second Chronicles. Let's look at it. Second Chronicles chapter number five. And I will bet you. Well, we'll read it. Check Second Chronicles five. Look at verse number eleven. 2 Chronicles five verse eleven, and it came to pass, and the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course, and the Levites which were the singers, all of them of Asaph and He man, and that's a tough name. If you're ever going to have a boy, He man should be in the run. <laughs> come on over here, He man. We got some logs to split. You know, <laughs> I mean, I should. I don't know if I could have gotten that pass for my kid, but. I tell you what, I <laughs> wish I would have read that verse prior to that. But anyway, He-Man and, and uh, <laughs> Jadathan, uh, with their sons, the, their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them, 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Beautiful, beautiful music they're making. Look at verse 13. It came even to pass that the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments and music and praised the Lord, saying, I mean, just imagine hearing this. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. God accepted their worship. All of this instrumentation is going on and the singing is going on. They're in the house of the Lord and it's acceptable to God. And now look at verse 14. So that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. That's the glory of the Lord that filled the house. The priests couldn't stand to minister by reason of the cloud. Why? For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Man, you want to have an experience. You want to really feel something. I got news for you. It's not going to happen this morning. Okay. Look, we have the indwelt Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, that's some rich stuff right there. Think about what the nation had in their worship. It was acceptable to God. His glory came into the house. The priest couldn't even stand to minister. I would have loved to have been a part of that. Israel had that. They had it. And they forsook the Lord. Go to 1 Kings. I'm going to show you this. 1 Kings chapter number 10. Talk about Solomon. Look what Solomon had in 1 Kings 10, chapter, uh, verse 4. 1 Kings 10, verse 4. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's what? Wisdom. Wisdom. Everybody knows, when you hear the word Solomon, what word do you think? We all think of wisdom, right? It's starting off, chapter 10, commending Solomon for his great wisdom. Now watch what happens as the chapter unpacks itself. Look at verse 14. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. That'd be a lot of gold. You know what's happening to Solomon? Solomon. It's the start of his decline. That'd be uh, 666 talents of gold, by the way. That's not a good number. <laughs> Look at verse number 15. Uh, beside that, he had the merchant man and the traffic of the spice merchants. You know what Solomon's doing? <laughs> Solomon is buying and selling. Isn't that interesting? Look at verse number 16, and King Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold. He's got gold targets. Look at verse number 17, he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Solomon has gold shields. He has gold targets. Look at verse 18, moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with the best gold. He's got a gold throne. Solomon's doing well, or so he thought. Chapter 10, the middle of that, starts to to lay out his decline. Um, Look at verse number 21. And all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold. You went over to Solomon's, what would you like to drink? And he serves you in a gold vessel. We thought we were big time as kids, man. My mom was selling Tupperware. We had, to, we got finally got Tupperware cup, man. We thought those were the coolest things. <laughs> Not Solomon's. You're getting gold. Yeah. I mean, he just ups everybody, pretty good. Look at verse 22. For the king had at sea a navy of Tarshish Tarsh, uh, with the navy of Hiram. Uh, uh, once in three years came the navy of Tarshish bringing gold, and here it is. And silver. So he's got gold and silver that he's that's coming into his possession. What's the problem with this? He's a king of Israel. You know what the law said back in Deuteronomy 17? Kings are not to multiply to themselves gold or silver. Guess what Solomon's doing? Multiplying to himself gold and silver and silver oh that's my riches that's my riches that's my riches the nation missed the riches they missed it they missed it it gets it it doesn't get any better look at verse 26 it fits so beautifully with deuteronomy 17 cross reference look at uh look at verse 26 and solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen well solomon you should have known you're a wise king deuteronomy 17 said not to multiply to yourself what horses. What's he doing? Multiplying to himself horses. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have done it. Verse number one of chapter 11. Here it is, Solomon. But the king Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Amorites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites. Bad news because Deuteronomy 17 not only said don't multiply to yourself gold and silver and horses and chariots, but guess what else the command was? Don't multiply to yourself wives. Solomon starts off being commended for his wisdom. By the time the chapter plays out, we see his decline. God was their riches, but they missed it. Watch what happens in verse number three. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. If you just would have obeyed me, Solomon, and not multiplied unto yourself wives, you wouldn't be in this mess. And chapter 11 is not good at all for Solomon. It's not good at all. I want to show you something. I think you'll like this. And if you got something more on it, that'd be great. But I want to show you something. Go to Revelation 13. Go to Revelation 13. Revelation 13, look at verse number 17. Revelation 13, verse 17. Bible says, and, no, and that no man might buy or sell. You know what Solomon was doing back in chapter 10? He was buying and selling with those merchant men. You know what the love of money is? The root of all what? Evil. Evil. Money, listen, listen. Uh, you, uh, all the youth, listen. Money Money can be used for God's glory. You know what missionaries need? Money. Why? Well, it'd be nice for them to be able to have a nice hot meal every now and then, too. Okay? It'd be nice for them to have a soft bed to sleep in instead of sticks. Money can be used to glorify God. Youth, youth, pay attention. Money can also turn your heart over to worldliness. And I don't want that to happen to you and God don't want that to happen to you and it can turn your heart away from God look at Revelation 13 look at look at um, verse uh, verse number 13 it says that no man might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. There's a mark, there's a name, there's a number. Now look at verse 18. Here is what? Wisdom. What was Solomon known for? His wisdom. What was his decline? He started buying and selling and multiplying things to himself that weren't supposed to be for himself. I find that to be a very interesting cross reference here. Here is wisdom. Watch this. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is is the number of a man, and his number is 600, three score and six. You know what represents Solomon's decline? 600, three score and six. And he ended up, he ended up Solomon. Not only did his wives turn his heart from the Lord, Solomon ended up funding. He funded it. Pagan, false pagan God worship for his wives. Solomon thought it was a great thing. He's multiplying, he's multiplying, he's multiplying. It didn't go to the Lord's work. He funded his pagan wives to worship pagan gods. That's a bad deal. Israel's riches was the Messiah. They had him, but they forsake him. Not a good thing yeah. at all. Let's start to wrap up. The other word I want to look at in Romans 11 um, and get Acts 13, and we'll finish in these verses. Romans 11 and Acts 13, and we'll finish up. I appreciate your attentiveness as we go through some of these verses. Romans 11 and Acts 13. trust we all have our spot romans 11 the other word i want to look at is the diminishing see that in verse 12 romans 11 12 now fall them be the riches of the world and the diminishing it's reduced to a small remnant and this diminishing that remnant gets smaller 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 there's always been a remnant we did preach and teach on that prior but that helped bring the gospel to the gentile world And before the Gentiles had the gospel, before that happened, all they were, they were just reduced to as as just Gentile dogs. But that is not the case anymore. The gospel came to them. So that's the diminishing. And then um, it talks about at the end, how much more, and we'll we'll finish with this thought, um, how much more, their fullness that be Israel when a void is created something or someone has to fill that void and the void is going to be filled by God um, because for Israel it's a future look and their fullness is going to be greater not only what we have now What they forsake, their fullness, when they're fully restored, it's going to be greater than it ever has been. Their fall is not permanent at all. After tragedy with God, it's always hope. Mm -hmm. After a calloused heart, there's always a solvent. Is your heart hard this morning? There's a solvent, Jesus Christ. He can soften your heart. So, how much more their fullness? I'm thankful I'm not living as an Old Testament, uh, in Old Testament um, Israel. And I'm thankful I'm not just a Gentile dog. I'm thankful I'm in the church of Jesus Christ, amen. And we're saved, childs of God. Um, But their fullness for Israel is going to be a whole lot better than their stumbling. All right, so let's do this. We'll go to Acts 13 and we'll finish in this chapter. Acts 13 and we'll finish here. Acts thirteen verse forty six. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed ba-, a tongue twister there. Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, "It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo." we turn, let's hear it, church, we turn to the who? Gentiles. Gentiles. That's where the gospel is turned to, the Gentiles. Verse 47, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have sent thee to be a light to the, let's hear it, the Gentiles, that they should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Look at verse 48. And when the, who heard it? When the Gentiles. Gentiles heard this, They were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. We don't only have a gospel witness in Jerusalem and in Judea. We have a gospel witness in Samaria, not only there, but into the uttermost parts of the world. Israel stumbling and falling was a benefit to the Gentiles. And when Christ comes back, he is going to gather his elect angels, and those elect angels are going to gather his elect uh, remnant, and when he comes back, now their fullness, that's their fullness, it is going to be so much better for them. Yeah. But right now, it's not they need to continually be provoked to jealousy with what? The preaching of the gospel. You're a Jew? Well, great. You're a common sinner just like I am. You need to receive Christ as your Savior just like I did. It goes, the gospel call goes now to every individual soul, no matter your belief, no matter your religion, no matter your philosophy, no matter your upbringing, I had to come to Christ as a repentant sinner, putting my religion aside, and fully and wholly trusting in what Christ did for me on Calvary's tree. A Jew must do that same thing today. If you've not done it this morning, it'd be a great day to receive Christ.